Some have said that the direction of your focus is the direction of your life. For the Christian, our focus is crystal clear. We are to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In every area of life, we are to lay aside the hindrances of our Christian journey and look to Christ as our example and strength to live the life he has called us to live. So today, let's starve our distraction and feed our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Walk Talks podcast and today's Friday Focus episode. All right, well, we're thrilled to uh, have Brother Scott Pauley with us um, this week here at Southland. And so for, for those of you guys um, listening today that don't really know much about Brother Pauley, uh, he's an evangelist, and uh, we want to get a little bit of his background, get to know him a little bit better. So, uh, Brother Pauley, it's great to have you with us uh, here. And if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, tell us a little bit about your family. Um, and then we'll kind of ask some other questions as we get going. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be with you. Man, we're having a great week at camp. Yes, and Absolutely. seeing what God's doing has been thrilling. Uh, I grew up in the mountains of West Virginia. And um, I'm, a, I'm a mountaineer uh, by birth. Uh, God saved me at a very early age, called me to preach as a young man. And I went to Crown College uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, met my wife there. And uh, when I graduated, Pastor Sexton said, why don't you stay and help me with a few projects? And uh, that turned into 20 years. Right. So yeah. uh, I told somebody today, it didn't take me that long to graduate. I graduated <laughs> sooner than that. But uh, I served as a youth director and uh, helped him in the church and helped to administrate uh, Crown College. I loved my season of ministry there. And then about eight years ago, God led us into full-time evangelism. And so we moved back uh, to West Virginia. My dad has pastored uh, there for 33 years. And so that's our sending church. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Tammy, we met in, in school, of course. We have three children. Our oldest daughter, Morgan, is married now and expecting our first grandbaby. Oh, that's exciting. And so maybe by the time some people even listen to this, I'll have my first grandbaby. I'm pretty excited Congratulations. about it. Congratulations. Yeah. And then uh, our next daughter, Lauren, is 21, and our son, Grant, uh, just graduated high school. I surrendered to preach and get ready to go to Bible college. So wow! So you're about to be an empty nester. I'm huh? getting ready to be an old man. <laughs> wow. Let's just call it like it is. Yeah, that's very exciting. Um, so tell us a little bit about the transition from being at Crown to going into evangelism, and maybe just how the Lord developed that burden to obviously sure. moving away from a place that you've been for 20 years. That's a that's a big step of faith. Big it, move. It was a step of faith, and it wasn't uh, anything planned. It wasn't mm -hmm. something that I orchestrated. Um, you know, it's interesting. The Lord has a way. There's twists and turns in the will of God. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> we're planners, right? Mm -hmm. So we Makes like sense. to plan out our life and our future. And the problem with that is God's not looking for planners. He's looking for followers. Mm -hmm. And um, I've said to young people recently, when you say God has called me or this is the will of God, uh, don't think that's all of it. Because God never shows you all of it at once. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fall out of heaven like a syllabus. It unrolls like a scroll. Those are two very different things. So for me, I just see it as another step on the journey. Um, it's not different, uh, different locations, of course, but it's the Lord's work. And I feel like I'm drawing out of what God put in my heart and my experience all those years, uh, now trying to help pastors and churches and young people and people in different parts of the world. That's amazing. Were you called to preach at a pretty young age? I was at a summer camp. Really? Oh, that's, no way. Okay. Yeah, it's part of the reason I love camp mm -hmm, ministry. Yeah. That's very special to me because 
the first time I ever went to youth camp. I was 12 years old, hmm. just for my 13th birthday, and Thursday night, God really got a hold of my heart, hmm. and I surrendered to preach. I still remember an old fellow there in West Virginia, an old country preacher, put his arm around me that night. He said, so God's called you to preach. I said, yes, sir. He said, great. Get your first sermon together. You're going to preach next week in a cottage prayer meeting. Oh, no and way. I remember I said to him, wait a minute, let's talk about this thing. I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, son, if you don't start serving God now, you probably never will. And he was right. And so I preached my first sermon. It was pitiful, but I got started as a teenager. And a lot of people were very patient with me and really helped me and invested in me. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what what percentage would you say are you, like what's your balance between being at home and then being out on the road? Like uh, how often are you out as opposed to like being home? As well, I'm on the road almost like? every week of the year, but I'm not gone all week. So okay. my schedule is a little different than what some people perceive with an evangelist. Some people think, well, he's gone for months at a time or mm -hmm. weeks on end. Uh, I fly more than I drive, but our kids were in a traditional Christian school. They all played sports and had part of the youth group. And yeah, so great. for me, the trade-off in that, because we wanted them to have that opportunity, was I fly back and forth from home a mm -hmm. lot. So I leave a lot of weeks on Saturday and fly back in on Wednesday. Um, you know, just depending on what kind of meeting it is. But I'm home every week at some point. I'm usually home for two or three days. And that really helps me because that helps me get projects done that we're working on, like recording the podcast and mm -hmm. writing projects and that kind of thing that it's a little more difficult to do on the road. Yeah, that's amazing. So what would you say is one of, like, your uh, favorite aspects of being an evangelist? I know that's probably a loaded question. It's hard to narrow it down to one thing. Uh, but what's something you really enjoy about uh, being an evangelist? Well, I love preaching the gospel. And frankly, that is the root meaning of evangelists. Yeah. You know, the, the good news, the, the evangel is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So um, I love preaching the gospel, seeing people come to Christ. I also love trying to help pastors place an emphasis. Mm -hmm. See, I don't believe evangelists should have a different message. Some people have the idea, well, the pastor, he has one message and the evangelist has another. If you read Ephesians 4, the, the pastor, teacher, and evangelist are all grouped together for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So really, the evangelist doesn't come in with his own agenda. He comes alongside a pastor just to help that pastor place an emphasis that the pastor is already placing. You with me? Yes. Camp is an emphasis. Yeah. Like a week of camp for teenagers is not their whole life. Right. Uh, a birthday is not your whole life. It's an emphasis. Mm -hmm. A vacation Bible school with children, a revival meeting with a church, they're an emphasis. And so what I love doing is just helping stoke the fire a little bit for souls, for the furtherance of the gospel, the, the church moving forward, taking the next step. Yeah. And uh, one of the things God really dealt with me about when I went into evangelism was if everything reproduces after its own kind, then when an evangelist leaves a church, he should not just leave new Christians, he should leave new witnesses. Mm. So what I'm thinking in a meeting is not what will we see done in the meeting, but what will grow out of this. Yeah. When I'm gone, long after the meeting's done, will others be giving the gospel? Mm. And that's really what I'm praying for when I go to a church. That's amazing. And so as, as you go to a church, is there... Um, like conversations that happen with like the pastor and such, like setting up kind of what what your um, 
I don't know, trying to accomplish in, in that meeting? Because you said you, you desire to have something, you know, that's perpetuating um, longer than just, you know, a week, a week of camp, sure. you know, like we're experiencing yeah, here. Like how, do you, how do you plan for that? And yeah. Obviously pray and, for that. And yeah. kind of what is that? What does that look like as from the evangelist? Perspective? Well, I always begin with the pastor, not telling him, but asking him. So asking him, Pastor, tell me what is in your heart for this meeting. He knows his flock. Mm-hmm. I don't know those people. Uh, tell me where, where you are right now, and how can I help you while I'm there? And what do you hope to see come out of this? And um, I try to get his heart, his burden. You know, I was an assistant to a pastor for almost two decades. I, I, I feel like in some sense that's what the evangelist is. He's, he comes in and assists that pastor for a few days. Mm-hmm. So what is in that pastor's heart? That's where I always start. Then the second thing I do, I start praying towards a meeting as I get closer to it. Lord, what scripture do you want me in? Mm-hmm. Not what sermons. Mm-hmm. What scripture? Because if God will lead me to a portion of scripture, really impress a section of the Bible. In my way, this is not everybody's way. My way is I stay typically in the same portion of scripture in a meeting. Mm-hmm. So I try to pray, Lord, show me where in Scripture you want us. And then I try to live in that. I immerse myself in it. And I preach my way through a passage during that meeting because I want the people to fall in love with the Bible. And what I've discovered is if, if I can get the pastor's heart and I can get God's mind, if I can know what the pastor is praying towards and then where in Scripture God wants us to emphasize, it's amazing. But I can't plan what the Lord wants to do. I just feel like I get in the flow then. And the Lord really accomplishes things only he could accomplish. As far as preparation goes on that end with the people, though, I've really tried to emphasize more and more to pastors that in the weeks leading up to it, they they need to lead their people in a concerted effort of prayer. I was just in a church. I showed up on Sunday, Sunday morning, right out of the chute, six adults walked the aisle. To, to put their faith in Christ. Some of them were longtime church members. Wow. I didn't even preach on that. And I thought to myself, something's going on here. Well, what I found out was that for 60 days, that pastor had been meeting with the men of the church every week, and they had been praying. And those men had been recruiting other people in the church to join them in prayer. Mm. By the time I got there, they were ripe. Mm. It wasn't the preaching, it was the praying. Mm. And one thing my pastor taught me about special meetings, and I've tried to share this with other preachers, the two most important times in a special meeting are the weeks leading up to it and the days coming out of it. Not the meeting itself. The meeting can never be the goal. The weeks leading up to it have to be filled with prayer. Let's get ready for what God wants to do. The days coming out of it need to be followed up with, all right, now, Lord, what's going to change? What do we need to stop? What do we need to start? What do we need to readjust? It's like gathering up the fragments that remain, you know, yeah. that nothing be lost. Yeah. So I really try to talk to pastors about that. Let's pray together about what God wants for you and for this church moving forward. There's a lot of talk in the world right now about revival, I think, with kind of some of the cultural maybe patterns or things that have popped up at different universities. I wonder if you could just touch on personally what you make of that and your perspective as an evangelist, as a person who's preaching a lot of revival, and then maybe challenge us with, maybe some misconceptions that a lot of people have about revival. And I think you are, you began to touch on that, but cause I think a lot of people expect, well, special speakers coming in, right. the power of God must be coming, you know, with this, with right. the preacher. Mm. 
What What do you say to people who think down that road? Into- well, I try to uh, remove that thinking from people in the first meeting. I mean, I just very often say to people, look, preachers don't care revival in their briefcase. I can't bring you a spiritual mm-hmm. awakening. Mm-hmm. We need God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm convinced that the only hope we have is a spiritual awakening. Um, but I think sometimes we put God in a box. Everybody wants to define revival. This is just my observation, okay? I think it's easier sometimes to describe revival than it is define it. Mm-hmm. I understand you define the word to awaken, sure. to bring life again. But there are marks of true spiritual awakenings. Um, there's conviction of sin. There is a true repentance. There is a humility. There is a spirit of worship where people are in awe of who God is. There is an overwhelming sense of the love of God. You study all the great revivals in history, almost all of them have the common thread of they're consumed with the fact God loved them. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are distinguishing characteristics that I think are telltale signs of true revival. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's personal, sometimes it's local, sometimes it's national. Mm-hmm. Occasionally it's been global uh, awakenings. But um, I think you have to measure it by those spiritual markers mm-hmm. that are really taught in various places in Scripture. Yeah and not by people's emotions and experiences mm. because that can be super subjective and it can be very dangerous. Mm. Um, you know, you study the Welsh revival and you study the New Hebrides revival and study all these revivals in history. They all were a little different, but they were all the same. Mm. There were different things about each of them, but they all had common denominator things. Mm. And I think those things don't change culturally mm. from generation to generation. I wrote a little book called Revival Praying. Yeah, I've read it. It's a great book. And if, if someone wants to read it, they can get it free on Kindle or Apple. It's a free download. And we, we do that with all the full-length books because I want people anywhere in the world to be able to get it and read it. If somebody's really hungry after revival, really wants to seek the Lord in, in spiritual awakening, I would encourage them to get that little book and read it. Yeah, and we can link, we'll link that book down great. in the description of this podcast so that people can, Very good. can access it. Brother Polly, how many states have you been to? Have you been to all 50 states? I have not been to all 50 states, but I've been to most of them. Okay. Uh, honestly, I'd have to sit here and count them up. Okay. I don't know. You've been around the world a, a yes. good bit as well. Yeah, we've, we've been, um, I think I've been in, somebody just asked me about countries the other day, 14 or 15 countries. Wow. wow. Um, and I've enjoyed that. I, yeah. uh, I love uh, preaching the gospel and trying to help the Lord's people in mm-hmm. different parts of the world. You know, God's people are great everywhere. Mm-hmm. We just came back from Israel, and uh, even since then, uh, my son and I were in the Dominican uh, preaching, and just watching God work mm-hmm. is a great thing. I would recommend anybody listening to us, take a mission trip. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally get out of your bubble, that. get out of your <laughs> comfort zone, go somewhere, yeah. and see the world, because yeah. it, will, it will radically change the way you think. Mm-hmm. The World Wide Web is no substitute for being there. Yeah. Yeah. First mission trip I ever took was to Ghana, West Africa. Hmm. And this boy from West Virginia had never been out of the United States. <laughs> and it was the first time I ever saw. It's a rude awakening. Uh, it is. Yeah. But it was the first time I'd ever seen open sewers, yeah. little children begging for food. Hmm. Changed my life. Yes. 
And so I, I definitely recommend it. That makes you not take for granted, you know, oh uh, even something as simple as going to a McDonald's and grabbing a, <laughs> That's so yeah. true. Uh, you know, a dollar fifty hamburger or something <laughs> That's like right. that, you know. So blessed. Yeah, Very big blessed. time for sure. Um, one question that we wanted to get at with you, maybe just um, hear your heart. You obviously travel to a lot of different churches, see a lot of different needs around the world, across the country. And I'm curious as to what you would say some of the positive trends, especially in the church in America today would be, as, as well as some of the pitfalls, the downsides, things that the church at large, maybe even particularly with the young people, are struggling with. So things that we're doing well, things that you would say are a danger, warning, red flags for the future of the church. Well, one thing I want to say before I answer your question is it's super easy for preachers to generalize. Mm and make blanket statements, and you just can't do that. Local churches are individual, unique bodies. Bodies are different, and so though there may be some common denominator things and some trends, uh, I, I can't speak for all churches. I can't even speak for all the churches I've been in. Mm -hmm. But a couple of things I'll, I'll share. Let me give you one negative, one positive, okay, because sure. that, that question is pretty broad, and we could, <laughs> we could talk for several podcast episodes, yeah. but... Um, the positive I see right now is I think there's a genuine hunger. Hmm. I really believe that there are, are true believers who are, are starting to feel the desperation. Um, culture's unraveling. Families are crumbling. Um, society's getting worse. And I think in some places we're starting to realize we really need God. <laughs> I mean, like all of our programs haven't fixed this. All of our great ideas were not the answer. Um, and entertaining people at church and all the fluff has not brought any substance. And I think there are some people who are genuinely realizing now, you know what we need to do? We need to get back to prayer. We need to get back to just preaching the Bible. We need to get back to making much of Jesus and talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Simple things. But that's where the power is. Mm. So that's very encouraging to me. Yeah. Mm. I think there are, that's where real spiritual awakenings begin. Mm. The negative, um, I would say, that I have, have observed is I think this is a day of low expectations. I think most places where I go, they're not expecting a lot to happen, mm -hmm. which is very sad because our expectations, the psalmist said, my expectation is from him. Our expectations are a revelation of our faith. Like if I'm not expecting anything <laughs> to happen, what it means is I'm not really believing God's going to do much. What was Carrie, uh, William Carey said, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. And I think we, we're losing some of that. And so why are we praying such little prayers to such a big God? Mm. And, and I hear, I know all the answers. People say, well, you know, preacher, it's really bad today. Yeah, I mean, the Lord said it would be like this. Right. But when he said evil men and seducers were going to wax worse and worse, he never said the power of the gospel would wax less and less. <laughs> so That's right. if we're still here, it must mean Christ is still building his church. Yeah. So Absolutely. why are we not believing God for something in our generation? And I, I'm just trying to challenge people everywhere I go. Let's believe the Lord for something again. Let's expect God to do something. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode of Friday Focus presented by the Walk Talks podcast.
Make your plans to join us next week for another set of podcast episodes that will encourage you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you.